Good afternoon and welcome to this special edition of the EJS show on the Liberty Block. We have Ed M and Ed P with us as well as Mike, and we are going to be discussing the one and only issue of the SCOTUS decision decisions on the vaccine mandate, OSHA and CMS. So good afternoon, all. I'm going to ask Ed Maslish to take it away, explain to us what happened so that we can discuss ramifications, why it happened, etc. Go ahead. Well, very simply put, the court struck down the OSHA, the mandate issued by OSHA to vaccinate all employees at, at businesses with 100 or more employees. But the court upheld a similar mandate that the Centers for Medicare Medicaid issued for healthcare workers. And the main difference between the two opinions is that the OSHA statute is a workplace, uh, authorizes regulations of dangers in the workplace or occupational hazards. And the uh, COVID is not an occupational hazard. It can be a danger anywhere. Uh, you know, it's not something that's unique or, or even not just not unique to the workplace, but it's not something that is intrinsic to the workplace. And the, the majority said that that was uh, too, far afoul, too far afoul from the, from the OSHA standard and the authorizing legislation. Whereas with the Medicare rule, Medicare has the power to ensure the safety of the Medicare beneficiaries and uh, the court went through a list of different things that the court that the courts have approved that Medicare does to regulate the way uh, to regulate conduct at facilities that receive uh, Medicare funding, and said that the, the this particular mandate was well within uh, well within the statute the statutory language and not inconsistent with other prior actions that the Center for Medicare has done to regulate uh, health, health workplaces. Now, can you just clarify for a minute, both of these were on, um, what do they call it, like temporary injunctions or something? Temporary stays? Well, they were, the, the procedural posture was that uh, the, the Court of Appeals had, uh, well, I guess with the, with the OSHA mandate, the court of the Sixth Circuit had vacated a stay, meaning that the OSHA mandate could go into effect. And when the Sixth Circuit had vacated the Fifth Circuit injunction, the Fifth Circuit had previously started off with the Fifth Circuit issuing a decision that that barred enforcement of the OSHA mandate nationwide. Subsequent to that, it was all the cases were consolidated before the Sixth Circuit. The Sixth Circuit overturned that. When, uh, when the Sixth Circuit overturned that, the, uh, the people petitioning the Supreme Court, including states, businesses, nonprofits, uh, all requested an emergency injunction, an emergency stay, just pending resolution of the matter during litigation. And the Supreme Court referred that, that one went to Kavanaugh, and Kavanaugh referred that to the whole court, and the whole, that's you know, the, the whole court asked for briefing and 
the briefing is what we just, you know, we just saw the oral argument and the, the opinions from the briefing. The Medicare, um, the Medicare case was a different procedural posture. Um, it was the, it was out of Louisiana and Missouri. You had opinions that uh, enjoined enforcement of the, of the, of the standard and uh, the government asked to have those um, have that have that injunction reversed, and the Supreme Court st uh, struck down that injunction. So, in both cases, it reversed the lower court, at least temporarily. Correct. Okay. And all right, let's see. And the Sixth Circuit could rule whenever it wants on the merits, right? Yes, although what's interesting is that the Fifth Circuit had actually not only issued a preliminary injunction, but also a final injunction. Uh, the Sixth Circuit simply revert, uh, dissolved that injunction, um, but they haven't ruled on the full merits of the of the claim. I'm not even sure that they have the power to reverse the, the Fifth Circuit's final injunction. Uh, I really have to look into that. I don't... I don't know that they do, um, and I don't know if the the government has put, put in an appeal of the Fifth Circuit's ruling to the Supreme Court. It's not clear from any of the opinions that I read, um, but that's sort of getting into the weeds of the of the procedural aspects of the case. Well, the Supreme Court, in putting on a stay on the OSHA mandate, is remanding something back to the Sixth Circuit, right? Correct. So what are they remanding? They're allowing the Sixth Circuit to do something. Well, like I said, it was a, the Sixth Circuit dissolved the Fifth Circuit's injunction. And the Sixth Circuit is, is, the, uh, is the court that's hearing the consolidated appeal because the standard went into effect nationwide and people petitioned in all the circuit courts of appeal around the country uh, under the multi-district litigation rules. They randomly assign it to a particular circuit and the Sixth Circuit came up in the, came up randomly and it was assigned hearing the final matter. Um, I believe that what's happened is that the, the matter has been sent back to the Sixth Circuit for a final ruling. Um, you know, and it's, I guess it's gonna have to be consistent with the Supreme Court's ruling, you know, but the Supreme Court only talked about likelihood of success and that kind of thing. Uh, what comes out at the at the trial stage, it's not you know it could it could always be different, right? So we're not necessarily protected from the OSHA mandate. Not necessarily, just like we haven't necessarily lost on the the healthcare mandate. I mean, that's just going to be remanded back. No injunctions in place. Unfortunately, without an injunction, though, some of these issues can become moot because if the employee if the employees take the jab or they get fired, it's sort of the game is over. So almost by definition, it will moot itself. That's a likelihood. That's a possibility, yes. Which um, everybody it, in the courts would love because it gets them off the hook, right? I mean, maybe it gets them off the hook to you, but to me, uh, they're on the hook because they didn't issue an injunction. I mean, that's the whole reason why an injunction was requested in the first place. Right, but they're there for life. Okay, uh, Ed and Mike, questions, comments? 
Well, I had shared um, a very succinct blog post from Michael Mahari of the 10th Amendment Center, which I think got to the heart of it as well, which is, uh, you know, we, we have a win, right? We have a win. We're supposed to kind of be happy with that. But um, it's kind of hard to rejoice because we know how leftist authoritarians work and they're going to look for another way to skin the cat. Um, I don't think this is a win, Mike. Yeah, well, that, but yeah, I mean, that, that, in a roundabout way, I guess that's what I'm saying, too, right? Which is like, it's a, it's like a temporary sort of win, but in the long run, I, I think it, you know, we still can lose. And like I said, I, I think the Democrats will attempt to find another way. It to, sort of reminds me of force, the master- To force Sorry. it upon everybody. It sort of reminds me of the, the master cake, you know, the, the, ba- the, Baker from uh, Colorado case. Yeah, you know, he he nominally won, but the the way the right. opinion was written, it it gave a roadmap to how the the leftists in in Colorado could win going forward. And I think that the the to me the lesson from these two decisions was if the left just doesn't overstep and doesn't go too fast, the courts will bless their sprint towards dictatorship. Yeah. Only if they go too far too fast will the courts potentially get in their way. Right. Uh, the Medicare mandate was too too similar to stuff that's happened before, and too um, you know it, it it was it wasn't too big of too big of a leap. Whereas uh, you know with with the OSHA mandate, for example, I have little doubt in my mind that if the OSHA mandate had been more narrowly tailored, like for instance. It only applied when there was a demonstration that uh, there was a lot of interpersonal contact between workers or between workers and, and customers, right? I mean, like, uh, you know, the whole, you know, they, one of the examples they gave was, uh, you know, a meatpacking line, right? And you compare that to, say, a, a solitary night watchman. The, the, the way the mandate from OSHA was written, it was applied, it applied to both. If they had just written it so that you know, the people on the assembly line, the people in the meat packing line, the people had lots of contact with other people. I, I, don't, I don't think that the Supreme Court would have struck that down, not based on what I read. Um, and the reason I think that overall it's just a, it's a huge loss is because the, the one thing that was completely missing from the, the, from the opinions was any discussion about the individual's right to his own body. And, you know, we talked about that you know, privately, um, you know, Gorsuch, Gorsuch asked, you know, started off his, his concurrence in the OSHA mandate case by saying the issue before us is who gets to decide. And the dissent made the same argument, but both of them said that the, that the issue was, you know, the, the, the choice was either the, the specialized geniuses at OSHA or local government officials. And nobody stood up and said, the individual has a right to, to his own body, bodily autonomy. And I just, in preparing to do this, I, I, I looked up Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And there are two paragraphs that I really wanted to read because it really enforces in my mind, you know, it really illustrates what I'm talking about and what was missing from these opinions. Uh, here's the first one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to omit any um, citations. I'm just going to read the text. Our law, and this is on page 851 of the, of the decision, it says, our law affords constitutional protection to personal decisions relating to marriage, procreation, contraception, 
family relationships, child rearing, and education. Our cases recognize, quote, the right of the individual, and individual is italicized for emphasis, the right of the individual, married or single, to be free from unwarranted government intrusion into matters so fundamentally affecting a person as the decision whether to bear or beget a child. Our precedents have respected the private realm of family life in, in which the state cannot enter. These matters involving the most intimate and personal choices a person may make in a lifetime, choices central to personal dignity and autonomy, are central to the liberty protected by the 14th Amendment. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of, of the mystery of human life. Beliefs about these matters should not define the attributes of personhood where they formed under the compulsion of the state. That's one paragraph. And then the second one, it's on page, uh, let's see. It's on page 857. It says, Roe, however, may be seen not only as an, as an exemplar of Griswold liberty, but as a rule, whether or not mistaken, of personal autonomy and bodily integrity with doctrinal affinity to cases recognizing limits on governmental power to mandate medical treatment or to bar its rejection. If so, our cases since Roe accord with Roe's view that a state's interest in the protection of life falls short of justifying any plenary override of individual liberty. Period. Where were those quotes in any of these decisions? Where was, where was any talk about personal autonomy and individual liberty in these decisions? Completely absent. Um, and, and to me, that's the real loss in these cases. Um, it doesn't really matter whether you have a local dictator or a federal dictator. Um, you know, we can talk about that and, you know, conservative libertarian ideology sort of debates that sometimes about you know, whether, you know, whether, you know, 50 local dictators is better than one central dictator. You know, I can see the arguments, you know, why it's better to have 50, you know, and, and have the chance of, you know, being able to convince one or moving away and moving to, you know, DeSantis is Florida. But the reality is the, the fundamental issue is individual liberty. I mean, that's what the court's charter is supposed to protect. It's supposed to protect the rights of the individual. And, that was completely absent from, from their decisions, from well, their discussions. I, I, just one question. They can't hide behind the fact that they weren't asked to decide on that. Well, I've seen some people mention that, but I mean, I've read some of the, some of the briefs. I think the BST Holdings brief, um, which was they were the main petitioner from the Fifth Circuit, um, raised that issue. So they could have raised it. I mean, the, you know, the... Prior, you know, Supreme Court precedents are on the books. You know, even if the even if a, a litigant doesn't raise a particular case, that doesn't mean the case doesn't apply. I mean, these justices are supposed to know what the law is, and you know, the parties can't just you know by agreement change the law by not citing certain cases. I mean, the law is the law, the precedents are the precedents, and they're supposed to apply the law as it is. And you know, that law is on the books. I mean, I expect that Casey is going to be overruled in a couple of months with the Mississippi case, but right now it's right on the books. And, you know, and, and I think that the, the two paragraphs that I read are, are good law, regardless of what they do with the right of abortion going forward. I think it's crucial that people have the right to control their own bodies. And, you know, how, how that gets played out in the abortion context and other contexts, 
you know, we can debate it, but I mean, to me, to, to decide these cases and not even address whether the individual has any liberty interest in deciding whether something should be forced on his, his or her own body, uh, particularly in the context that we have here. I mean, look at, look at what the federal government has done. It's abrogated any kind of uh, remedy if there's any damages, if there's any, uh, you know, if, if the shots cause you any injuries, you can't sue the manufacturer, you can't sue the distributor. You know, these are, you know, they don't have uh, a history like the smallpox vaccine of being safe and effective. Uh, and in fact, not only they've not shown, not only is there no history of them being effective, I mean, look at how many breakthrough <laughs> cases we have today. I mean, we have as many people getting COVID that, ha that get the vaccines as, as don't. So, I mean, there's just so many reasons why this is just an outrageous, uh, these are outrageous decisions even though they struck down the OSHA mandate. Yeah. Um, How know, much did they, did they write into decision whether or not vaccines help or hurt? Did that like play in there at all? Did it play in there well, at that's all? Kind of, vaccines? That, the that's, vaccines are for, are for Delta and we're on Omicron. Did they discuss those facts at all? That, that's kind of my point, what I wrote in the chat last night. I, I'm going to take <clears throat> a, a different tag. I, I think that... Um, that the dissent by uh, Kagan, um, Breyer, and uh, the wise Latina was a much better written <clears throat> piece of uh, um, legal analysis than, than the majority. There are two majority opinions, one by the court. Uh, we assume it's written by um, either Roberts or Kavanaugh or Barrett, probably Roberts. And then there was a concurrence by uh, Thomas Gorsuch and um, Alito. and Alito, and then uh, there was a dissent by the three liberal justices. And if you look at the um, at the court ruling, um, it was it, it very weak. It, it it was extremely mushy. Um, they did say that the. You know, OSHA is tasked with ensuring occupational safety and safe working conditions and that such standards must be reasonably necessary or appropriate to provide safer, healthful employment. That's OK. But the dissent answered that uh, very well. And um, the Gorsuch. Um, the Gorsuch comment was talked all about like the major questions doctrine, as if that's, uh, you know, the, if, if, there's, if there's a major question, then Congress has to speak clearly uh, when it delegates its power to uh, legislate to um, the administration. Um, but both of them say, uh, this is uh, the majority. Although Congress has indisputably given OSHA the power to regulate occupational dangers, it has not given that agency the power to regulate public health more broadly. That's the per curiam. That's the, you know, uh, Kavanaugh Roberts opinion. And in the uh, in the Gorsuch one, it's it's. Uh, a central question we face today, who decides? No one doubts that COVID-19 pandemic has posed challenges for every American or that our state, local and national governments all have roles to play in combating the disease. This is by the Liberty 
people. This is by people who says our state, local and national governments all have role to play. Why do any of them have roles to play? Certainly, I've read the Constitution about a billion times. I don't see any role in public health for the uh, national government. So I, where do they where do they come up with that? And then uh, Gorsuch uh, says the major questions doctrine, not only must federal government properly invoke a constitutionally enumerated source of authority to regulate in this area, other must also act consistently with the constitution separation of powers. And when it comes to that obligation, this court has established at least one firm rule. We expect Congress to speak clearly if it wishes to assign ex- executive agency decisions of quote, vast economic and political significance. Well, I don't know where they get this major questions doctrine, but if any regulation has vast, vast economic and political significance to somebody, may only be you, but somebody. So it's all, you know, all, all questions, uh, the, you know, Article 1, Section 1, Paragraph 1, Sentence 1 says all legislative authority is vested in Congress. They can't delegate it. And they and the Congress and the court says, well, we have this non-delegation doctrine, but the, they delegate it all the time. The whole OSHA is delegated. Here's another. Uh, here's another awful thing by our liberty justices. Um, if administrative agencies seek to regulate the daily lives and liberties of millions of Americans, the doctrine says they must at least be able to trace that power to a clear grant of authority from Congress. No. How about if administrative agencies seek to regulate the daily lives and liberties of millions of Americans, they can go to hell because they can't because there's no they can't do that because there's nowhere yeah. in the Constitution that says they can do that. Right. This is our, these are the, these are the liberty guys. Right. And. Uh, this is the problem. We, there's bad precedent that's already been set. We've already had breaches of the firewall of federalism. I mean, when OSHA was created, the state should have said, screw you, we nullify it. And that's it. I mean, they should, they should still do it. You know now what that, I mean? But we're accepting the fact that OSHA has a right to exist. I think the majority of people, the justices are, and they don't even have a power to create OSHA. In the two uh, rulings that overturned the OSHA uh, mandate, not a single fact was discussed. Not a single fact. It was all... Uh, discussion of, well, um, you know, the per curiam decision was, well, it seems overbroad. And then the um, the Liberty guys were like, well, there's this major questions doctrine. If you read the dissent and parts of which I'm going to uh, read for you now, it's <laughs> filled with purported facts. I mean, uh, filled Um It starts off the dissent. The Congress enacted the Occupational Safety and Health Act to assure, so far as possible, every working man and woman in the nation a safe and healthful working conditions and to preserve our human resources, including by developing innovative methods, techniques, and approaches for dealing with occupational safety and health. And then it goes on to cite a number of um, times where the court, uh, where the uh, Congress and OSHA have regulated things in uh, occupational safety and health that uh, are also, you know, problems in uh, homes like fire and electrical safety and stuff like that, uh, that, uh, you know, are, are not specific to occupations, but they, 
they did it. But, they were um, still, but those are still, no, I read those too. And it, they're still specific to those workplaces though, right? I mean, you know, having a fire exit is specific to that workplace. In COVID, I mean, to me, the thing, the thing that struck me most about the dissent was they, they said, the dissent says, well, of course, OSHA can't be a roving health inspector. But in yeah, fact, I, that's exactly I, I, what they're that's exactly what they're authorizing. Yeah. So here it goes. Uh, OSHA, this is a dissent. OSHA based its rule requiring either testing and masking or vaccination on a host of studies and government reports showing why those measures were of unparalleled use in limiting the threat of COVID-19 in most workplaces. The agency showed in meticulous detail that close contact between infected and uninfected in individuals spreads the disease that the science of transmission does not vary by industry or by type of workplace, that testing, mask wearing, and vaccination are highly effective, indeed essential tools for reducing the risk of transmission, hospitalization, and death, and that unvaccinated employees of all ages face substantially increased risk from COVID-19 as a pair, uh, compared to their vaccinated peers. Now, if you take that paragraph and you, you believe that, you really do believe that, and you believe that the Occupational Safety and Health Act is constitutional. If you believe both of those two things, then, then the dissent is correct. I mean, that's the problem. The, the, the majority never addressed the real problem. And the real problem is twofold. One, the federal government has absolutely no power to um, regulate occupational safety and health. The whole law is unconstitutional and it should be thrown out. Today would have been fine to throw it out, but maybe tomorrow. And second, these sets of facts that are presented in the defense and they go oh, and are more and more um, in meticulous detail that um, testing, mask wearing and vaccination are highly effective in stopping the spread. Well, that's not true at all. Uh, ubiquitous testing has been around for a year and we've got more cases than ever. Masks don't work. Everybody knows masks don't work. Even the CDC admits that masks don't work and the vaccinations don't work. Um, the vaccines are completely ineffective at stopping the spread of uh, COVID except for a few uh, months like, you know, from like two to three months after taking the vaccine, and then they're completely ineffective. I have the vaccine. I got COVID. How effective was that? That's no effective at all. It's not. There's no, it's terrible. The vaccines simply don't work. And anybody who's like knows anybody, I, I know at least a dozen people with COVID and well over half of them have the vaccine. Vaccines don't work. All of these facts are false. And did the liberty-minded justices talk about any of these facts? Did the plaintiffs in this case cite any facts that, the, that this is not true? No, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen all of their submissions, but you would think. If you look at the BST Holdings brief, they did a pretty good job of, of attacking it. Well, why didn't our guys mention the fact that masks don't work, vaccines don't work, and testing doesn't do anything. I mean, what does testing mean? We've all been through the idea that these PCR tests, you can run it to cycle thresholds of 45 and, and get any result you want. So what does testing mean? Does testing mean run it to cycle threshold of 30 or 25 or 35? Or it doesn't, none of this is true. And yet it's presented as if it were true. And if you were a fair-minded individual, let me, let's take my mom and my sister and my dad when he was alive, who are, who are all three of them patriotic Americans, 
uh, Fox News watching patriotic Americans. If I, they all believe this, they all believe this. If, if I gave them a fair minded presentation of the of the majority opinion versus the dissent, they would say, oh, yeah, the dissent's absolutely right. Because the dissent actually presents facts or what they purport to be facts. And they say, well, of course, it's the, uh, you know, the majority even admits it's uh, OSHA has the power to regulate safety uh, in the workplace. And clearly people work, they all go together in this small space. So, of course. So, I mean, this is why we can't have nice things, because our guys will not argue the right um, the right way. Nobody gives a shit about the major uh, doctor, major, major regulations doctrine. doctrine. They care about not getting sick, right? And they care about individual liberty. So if you're not going to argue about the fact that none of these things will stop you from getting sick and all of these things are an affront to individual liberty, then you're going to lose in the court of public opinion. And this decision, while a potentially tactical victory is a strategic catastrophe for liberty because these guys, this dissent will be cited for a hundred years every time uh, because just, you know, dissents have power too. You know, it's not just the losers um, whining that they lost there. The dissents are cited in, uh, in subsequent decisions and I have a feeling this is a, this is a fantastic dissent. They, they did a great job of defending themselves based on what they claim are the facts and what they claim is the law and all of the mistakes made by the majority. I, I'm just disgusted by the whole thing, to be now, honest. Now, can they also claim that since the majority ruling didn't disclaim the facts of the dissent, that therefore the Supreme Court has accepted them? I assume so. And I also want to point out, so to my understanding, the court would be happy if Congress tomorrow would vote to explicitly give OSHA this power. They would have no problem, A, with the delegation to the administrative state, and they for sure would have no problem if Congress passed a law tomorrow forcing us all to get shots every day. That's exactly right. And so Congress, obviously, tomorrow can pass a law banning abortion, and the Supreme Court would not be bothered by that. Well, of course, abortion is a separate issue from the court. Is that specifically the the institution? But the court... The, uh, there, there are loads of questions before the court that in, impinge upon constitutional rights and individual liberty. And there are categories of you know, things they think are important and things they think are less important. But abortion is like way off to the side. Because it's the only thing that's explicitly guaranteed in the Constitution. That, that's right. That, uh, it's, it, so, I mean, I think one of the reasons why, uh, you know, Ed's argument earlier about the Casey, Pennsylvania, Casey versus Pennsylvania fails is because that's an argument about abortion. Uh, um, a, a, the court recognizes that abortion is like a super duper uh, special in its own category. Nobody can ever say anything about it um, right in the Constitution, whereas 
things um, like freedom of speech or freedom of religion, they're merely secondary, unimportant things that- They came uh, from emanations from penumbras. Right. Well, see, emanations from penumbras are- stepping now, Ed, though, because they've got that Mississippi case, and I think they're going to overturn Roe in the Mississippi case. Well, okay, uh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, give me one second here. Some of you people were a little upset that the court was taking its time. And I, being the ignorant one here, believe that Roberts in no way in hell was going to let conservatives slash libertarians win anything in this case. I believe he gave us OSHA so he could take away CMS. I believe the whole thing was a bargain going down in the beginning. And I believe he spent his time tailoring this so narrowly and so ridiculously Mm -hmm. that we can say we gave you a tiny victory. And in the end, we lost everything. And I, anybody does. who thinks that Robert's court is going to allow any yeah. meaningful victory ever is deluding themselves. Right. I mean, he, he can twist pre- himself. Told, yes, yeah. with Obamacare. Just like with will, Obamacare. Yeah. Yes, he will twist himself into a pretzel right. to figure out a way to save abortion, even if he has to call it a tax. Mm-hmm. He'll call it exactly whatever. Exactly right. Just, just like with the Obamacare tax and that other lawsuit that came forward, just not going to let Obamacare go away. Right. I just I don't believe Roberts will ever right. allow forget how he votes. He right. will never allow his court, which he owns, to ever give us a decent. Yeah. Win. And in hindsight, we should have let Kavanaugh go by the wayside when they attacked. Yeah, him. he's a disaster. What and a Barrett's disaster. no better. I think she's a little bit better, but I, I think Kavanaugh is now everything we fear. It doesn't matter. Spending our time. We should have let him breath till every June to the court to save <laughs> us. If people don't get it by now, we right. have the best court we've probably had in God knows how long with our six to three majority, yeah. and they we can count on them for absolutely nothing. Right. When it's are you going to get better courts? It's only given Roberts more cause to be the renegade and to side with the leftists. Right, and I believe he's worse than the renegade. I believe he actively lobbies the other ones to give him what he wants. Yeah, so I mean, both of these cases are, I, you know, like I said, it was a nominal victory. It's a good way to put it at. Uh, in the long run, they're going to find either another way to skin the cat or whatever. But I, I think that the other case with, with the Medicare and the Medicaid is I, I see it as a little bit more problematic. And maybe you guys think otherwise, because it's basically saying if the, the government is spending money, the, if there's federal money attached, we can tell you whatever the hell we want for you to do. And that's the end of it. So any well, emergency, it, any health, public health emergency, the the, the gun's going to be put to our head. They're going to use force against us. And if you don't like it, tough shit. Why don't that's, they just take that's that's actually not what the opinion said, Mike. They didn't they didn't base the Medicare opinion on the fact that there was federal funding. They based it on this was something consistent with the Medicare statute. That's not what I had seen, but I'll defer to you. You're, you're the legal mind. Here. And, and <laughs> consistent with the Medicare statute, which says that if you want to practice medicine in America, you are under this, whether you like it or not. Unfortunately, I did not read the Medicare case, but given how awful uh, the uh, pro-liberty forces are in this case, the OSHA case, I can certainly imagine them um, changing their minds uh, on the Medicare case. Uh, I want to read one more thing from the dissent from the OSHA case, and then I will shut up. This is the dissent quoting OSHA. During the workday, OSHA explained workers may have little ability to limit contact with coworkers, clients, members of the public, patients, and others 
any one of whom could represent a source of exposure to the virus. The agency backed up its conclusions with hundreds of reports of workplace COVID-19 outbreaks, not just in cheek by jowl settings like factory assembly lines, but in retail stores, restaurants, medical facilities, construction areas, and standard offices. In sum, the agency did just what the act told it to do. It protected employees from a grave danger posed by a new virus as and where needed and went no further. The majority in overturning that action substitutes judicial diktat for reasoned policymaking. Now, you got to understand what these guys are doing. They're technocrats. They want technocrats to rule us, right? That's the whole point of the deep state or the fact that we're not a democracy anymore, but an oligarchy. We're a tech technocratic oligarchy. They want the technocrats to make the rules. Okay. And, and isn't that why, based on all of those studies, which are indisputable, isn't that why AOC refused to go to that party in Miami? And isn't that why Gillibrand refused to go in a restaurant without a mask? Well, I mean, again, fact that you're, you're, you know, facts not in, admitted into evidence, right? You're relying on, we're all relying on it. I mean, we're relying on the idea that Joe Biden is a sociopath. We're relying on the evidence that the United States is not an oligarchy, not a democracy, but an oligarchy, and that our rulers are idiots. You know, that we're, we're, we have the worst ruling class of any country in all of world history. They're, they're dumb. They're midwits. They think they're smart, but they don't know anything. And, and they purport to want to run all of our lives in minute detail without any clue as to what they're talking about. They, they voluntarily go and get themselves these vaccines even now in boosters, when there's literally no data about the boosters being effective. I mean, a little data is trickling out that they're effective for a month or so, but you know, somewhat partially effective for a month or so. But when they started the booster program, there was no data at all. There were no studies. No, there was zero. They all go get themselves a booster and they'll get themselves nobody, a fourth shot. Nobody mentioned Nuremberg in any of these decisions. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the Nuremberg uh, issue. There's the issue, the fact that uh, even though Comirnaty is, is approved, it's not available in the United States. And it is different than the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, vaccine. Slightly different, but still a little different. Different enough to mean a different patent, right? So there's all of these facts from the vaccines don't work to the, uh, you know, Omicron isn't that, uh, isn't, that, isn't that bad. I mean, it was annoying, trust me, it was not my favorite week, but, uh, and there was, you know, there's no facts and they're relying on these OSHA facts. And we know the CDC lies. We know uh, the FDA lies. We know the whole government lies. They're, they're doing what this demented old sociopathic pedophile tells them to do. And they have no right to do anything of this anyway. None of that is discussed. And it's just disgusting that, uh, that this is a win. If this is a win, this is going to be the, the most pyrrhic victory I can imagine. Well, it's interesting that you, you mentioned that, uh, that these guys are all technocrats and want to, you know, want technocrats to rule us because one of the things that Gorsuch had, did, had done before he got on the court was 
he wrote pretty extensively about the non-delegation doctrine and about possibly reining in the Chevron decision and deference to executive to administrative agencies. And then he, I thought he was going to use this case as a, yeah. if, not, if not as, you know, a vehicle to overturn or to at least to start overturning it, to, to look at it the way, the way Thomas did with the, uh, with the Lopez decision in 1995, where struck down, you know, he, he dissented and, you know, he concurred in the striking down of the gun-free school zones act. Yeah. But he said nothing about it. And, you know, I, when I read the opinion, I mean, I think I told you guys this, you know, on uh, Thursday when it came down, my first reaction was Mr. Justice Gorsuch. Okay. The major questions doctrine applies. If Congress had spoken, which article of the constitution authorized this, this, where in article one, section eight, does Congress have the power to delegate this in the first place? And there's not a mention of that anywhere. And, you know, it's just, it's mind blowing to me. One of the, yeah, it's again, the dissent. OSHA estimated that in six months, which is how long the, this emergency standard was supposed to last, the emergency standard would save over 6,500 lives and prevent over 25, uh, 250,000 hospitalizations. Now, that's bullshit. I mean, that, that, this, they are pulling numbers out of their ass, they have no idea how many quote unquote lives are going to be saved. I, you know, if like you jobs, actually, it's like jobs created, saved, yeah. created. <laughs> but the dissent presents this as, you know, OSHA estimated. Well, how did they estimate it? Well, we have this model. Well, I mean, okay. I've done modeling for 30 years. I know exactly how well models work. I mean, it's nonsense. The whole thing is nonsense. They and yet it goes the model of 2.2 million dead. If they're going to use it, it goes unrefuted. It goes unmentioned in the majority decision. They're just the, again, if my mom, if you were to explain this in, oh, and the, you know, the majority writes in legalese, the dissent is written in like, it can be understood by human beings. My mom, uh, read this, she would be totally in favor of the dissent. And she's a, you know, standard Fox News conservative because it's written for her. So it's, it's written for the normal guy and, and, uh, or the normal woman. And uh, it, it's, it's, and the, it's like, who cares about the major questions doctrine when people are dying? This can save 6,500 lives. Who cares about major questions when we can save all these people's lives? It's only when you get to the, you know, it's only when you argue, they're like, no, this is not going to save anybody's life. In fact, it's probably going to cost people lives. Yes. And a quick view of theirs will realize that it's quite likely that hundreds of thousands have died. Yes, exactly. There's, there's, it it may very well, I mean, Steve Kirsch thinks that the vaccines uh, kill more people than they save. I, I don't know whether that's true because that requires a lot of modeling as well. But it's certainly the case that they're completely ineffective at stopping people from getting the disease. I got the vaccine. I got the disease. I haven't gotten measles. I haven't gotten mumps. I haven't gotten rubella. I've never gotten smallpox, but I got COVID-19. What does that say? It says the vaccine doesn't work. It just, it literally does not work. I I don't know what else to say. When you when you get the vaccine and then you get the disease, that means the vaccine has failed. It does not work. 
Well, it's it's got to be like the flu vaccine. They have to update it all the time. Yeah, well, the no. next variant. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. Expect, you could still get that flu. Yeah, I'm sorry, um, but and, it's... and there's the other the other point is no vaccine is 100 percent effective. Yeah. <laughs> well, this vaccine seems to be not effective at all because it's like half my the, friends have have uh, COVID these yeah. days. Yeah, and the trend clearly around the world with who CDC et cetera et cetera is more and more towards admitting that most of this stuff is not working. So this is another great quote. I'm sorry to quote from the dissent so um, so liberally, but I'm, I'm so impressed with it, to be honest. I mean, it, you know, it's I, I've I've never listened to like Hitler's Nuremberg rally speech. I'm, I'm sure I'd be impressed by it, too, if it was translated in English. This is the same thing. Underlying everything else in this dispute is a single, simple question. See, it's a single, simple question. Who decides how much protection of what kind American workers need from COVID-19? Yeah, that's a good question. An agency with expertise in workplace health and safety acting as Congress and the president authorized? Or a court lacking any knowledge of how to safeguard workplaces and insulated from responsibility from any damage it causes? You know, that's a damn good question. But what about, you know, each individual human being or business or business and human being together, they decide. How about they, how about the individual decides? Um, well, that's that, how I that, started this whole discussion, Ed. Yes, exactly. That wasn't in there, right? Like that, that's not even on the agenda for the dissent, but it's presented so reasonably that if you put this to like my mom, again, love my mom, nice, you know, Fox <laughs> News conservative, you're like, yeah, yeah, courts don't know anything. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, it's only they'd, they'd apply that standard all the time. <laughs> now, I, I'm disgusted. I'm I'm disgusted with this whole thing. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I read the set and I'm like, I'm a great, you know, of course, I know that the underlying facts are wrong and I know that OSHA is unconstitutional, but I'm just reading it like assuming I'm a person with, um, you know, a Fox News conservative. I'm, I'm reading it as if I'm a person in the majority. They admit Congress has this uh, this power. And I'm, and I'm reading the dissent. I'm like, yeah, the dissent's right. There. I think the broader questions here are we can stop genuflecting to Mitch McConnell for saving the country by giving us such good judges. We can stop electing presidents based on the judges they're going to give us because it makes no very little difference anyway. I know there's a lot of people saying stop this whole Federalist Society thing with judges. Now, who knows who else is going to give us judges? And the truth is the Bar Association is going to try harder and harder to keep people out of law school and keep people from being admitted to the bar if they don't believe in all of these. Uh... Well, let me push back a little on that, Steve. I mean, if you look back, if you look at the Fifth Circuit's opinion in the BST Holdings case, which is the OSHA case, that was a great decision by, the, by that panel. If you look at the, the, the decisions from Missouri and from Louisiana, which were both district court decisions, those were both wonderfully written opinions. Judges do matter. I mean, to say that they don't matter at all, I think is not right. Well, wait a second. Tell me exactly how long those decisions uh, protected us and, and give me it in weeks. That doesn't just because one failed doesn't mean that they're all bad. It I mean, means yes, that we'll bad never ones. have enough judges on the highest court to protect our liberties. Oh wow! Well, you have to get you have to get you the right one. Without me for a second, I have the police here, but it's for a good reason. Hold on. Go on without me. 
Well, I think that obviously the choices of who's nominated matter. And there were concerns about Kavanaugh before he was ever nominated. Um, and because the left so viciously attacked him, I think the right, I don't want to say knee jerk style, but you know, uh, we, we jumped to his defense and we pushed to make sure that he was nominated <laughs> despite the, the concerns that existed prior to those hearings. So you have to pick the right judges. We need more Clarence Thomases. And if there's, I mean, a, if there's was, a, everyone, anyone who was somewhat in the know knew Kavanaugh was a bad pick. Um, yeah. And Rob, Roberts too, did, we right? circled the wagons behind him. I questioned that at the time. I still question it today. Yeah. I mean, I get I, that, you know, we can't let the left think that they have a veto on, on any nominee that we have. Yeah. So I get that you have to defend your own people, but I mean, Listen, really the, the fault for that one is Trump. Trump should have appointed a much better, made a much better appointment than Kavanaugh. Well, we were fed a lot of BS about Roberts too, at the time he was supposed to be the most brilliant mind to ever come down the pike. Right. And look what we've got. So in some respects, yeah, we need more Clarence Thomases, but I think ultimately in the big picture, and we talked about this often, is the courts are no friend of liberty and we can't rely on them to defend it. It's up to us. It's up to the states. You know, I mean, it's up to governors like DeSantis and state legislatures to turn back and say, no, we're not going to tolerate that. That's an unconstitutional law. It's an unconstitutional act and nullify those laws. I just think that we can't cede any ground to the other side. And when you know, I know Steve is, is run to get his doorbell, but um, even if even if the courts are an ineffective tool, uh, as long as we're still in the system, we should be fighting on every front. And that includes fighting to get the best judges appointed that we can. I wouldn't give that. I wouldn't give an inch on that. I mean, the other problem is, again, these are elites and they're all in the club and they're probably out there partying with the Pfizer executives. So we can't really ex expect <laughs> to, to turn around and knock this stuff all down. So we get narrow, nominal, Pyrrhic victories and the other side ultimately wins in the end. I don't know whether, you know, I mean, the problem is, I think as we see, it's both the way they vote and the rationale they give for voting the way they vote matter. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, uh, Kurt Schlichter, you know, who, who's leading the no more Federalist Society judges, uh, he says, you know, we, we really ought to stop caring uh, about their, ration, their rationale and just pick people who will vote, you know, essentially the way we tell them to. You know, I don't I don't think that's right, you know, because these these decisions have long lasting um, effects. We need people who not only can vote the right way you know, for individual liberty, but who can back it up with powerful um, essays in in individual liberty. And the, the interesting thing is, like, if you read the paragraphs that Ed read in Casey versus um, Pennsylvania, there, there's no, the constitution doesn't matter in any of those paragraphs, you know, and, and if you like over, over, uh, Obergefell versus Hodges, there was no reference to 
the Constitution and that. It was all, you know, inherent human dignity and all of these broad themes um, that, you know, you may or may not agree with. I don't happen to agree with that decision. And even Brown versus Board of Education, if you read that, now I know there's lots of decisions, but the final decision has absolutely no law in it whatsoever. It, it, you know, it's a very short ruling and it basically said segregation is wrong. Therefore, we're getting rid of it. Um, there, there well, was what no, really had no backing in that was the remedy issued, right? I mean, it was yeah. one thing for them to say, you know, state legislature, you can't do this. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to strike it down. It's up to you to come up with the new remedy for the court right. to order integration, to order busing, to right. basically act as a super legislature. That was what was problematic to me. No, I mean, I, I agree, but there's no actual law. They just made a moral, they just made a moral pronouncement in each of these decisions. In, in Brown, it's like segregation bad. We're not going to do it anymore. Ogerbeth, uh, Ogerbeth, <laughs> Ogerbeth, uh, you know, um, mar- uh, preventing gays from marriage is discriminatory and, and uh, insults the human dignity of each individual. And so we're not going to do that anymore. And, uh-huh. and so, I, you know, let's have liberty minded justices do the same. Like if we're going to unmoor it to the Constitution, let's unmoor it to the Constitution. Let's say, OK, uh, making people inject things into their own bodies is is fundamentally at variance with human dignity. That's a good liberal liberal thing, uh, and uh, and therefore we're not going to allow it. Um, let's argue on, you know, if we if we can't argue on the facts, or maybe we can, but they didn't, and and their argument on the law was unpersuasive, then at least argue on moral grounds that it is absolutely immoral to force people to inject an experimental drug into their bodies against their will especially as decided by norbert yeah so all right folks i want to wrap up i think this was phenomenally informative as always we have the best panel out there ed maslish thank you so much for your legal acumen and expertise we will be here wednesday to follow up on this and all the other wonderful goings on in our free country so i just want to thank you all for your time today see you all wednesday great job guys Thanks, everybody.